Hello. Welcome. It's the Album Nerds Podcast. You're here with Dude and Andy once again. Andy, what the hell is happening for you? Yeah. Hey there, buddy. Welcome to the show, everyone. Another edition of the Album Nerds Podcast. So excited to be here with you, man. I'm excited. What's on the What's on the docket today for the Album Nerds? I forget what we promised. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. You know what this is, man? This is our episode 69. Whoa! Exciting, right? Uh, yeah. If you're 15, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both 15 at heart. Anyway, today on the show, it's what, episode three of our essential project we're doing this year, the New Album. Am I saying that right, buddy? Close enough, New Album. I mean, new wave of British heavy metal, whatever suits your fancy, or you pain in your ears, as you might refer to it at times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the dude is focusing on that new wave of British heavy metal. It's kind of the metal that came about in the what, late 70s, early 80s in, yep. uh, in London, England. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I am focusing on universally loved funk music. Primarily of the 70s, we'll be digging into two records that we feel are essential listening from the genres today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, why we're doing this product in general? Why? At this point, I don't even know. I think it's an excuse (laughs) for me to listen to old metal records and talk about them uh, on the internet. But essentially... The Essentials Project is to focus on an area of music that we know something about, we like, but we wanted to learn more, really dig in, maybe find some artists we hadn't listened to before, or some albums by artists we are familiar with that we hadn't listened to before from these particular periods, and uh, really learn a little something, get a little deeper into these areas that we like, so that uh, we can pass on the what we find to all y'all, and hopefully turn you on to some stuff you haven't heard before and uh, do the same for each other uh, while we go. Yeah. Fair? That's a well well said explanation, my man. Last month we talked about uh, Iron Maiden's debut record was, was your choice. I think that was uh, 1980, right? Yes, sir. And we I talked about Parliament Funkadelic and their classic record Mothership Connection, which was pretty funky. exciting. Pretty funky. <laughs> yeah, that one was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff. But uh, today on the show, you want to jump in and tell everybody what we, got, we picked up? Let's do it. We're going to jump in with some new wave of British heavy metal. Wabam! Yeah! Oh, my fingers. It's hard to shred while I'm doing this podcast, but I do my best for y'all. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I went with a new wave of British heavy metal band that wouldn't often be necessarily lumped in with your Iron Maidens and your Saxon and Angel Witch and and uh, all of those bands, but they were there because Nuabum is really more about time and place than style. And this... Uh, this band formed in the right time and they were in the right place. It's Def Leppard and I picked their second album, High and Dry. 
So that album was from 1981, precursor to their really big records like Pyromania and uh, Hysteria, which were really big records. Uh, this was sort of a time for them. They were kind of raw, and their first album, On Through the Night, is also lumped in the Nwabam time period. But it was a little drier. Joe Elliott hadn't quite learned that high register yet, and this album was produced by Mutt Lang, known uh, to be working with ACDC at the time. And uh, they really kind of came into their own. And that first song we listened to, Bringing On The Heartbreak, did okay. It was a second single from the album, and it sort of, you know, kind of floated, got some MTV play, so it got them some attention. But that that was a pivotal song. We'll get into that. So the band itself was formed in 1977 in Sheffield uh, as a part of the new wave of British heavy metal movement. They were in the same club circuit as the bands like Iron Maiden and and those that we've talked about. The bands consisted of Joe Elliott on vocals, Rick Savage on bass, Rick Allen on drums, and uh, Phil Collin on lead and rhythm guitar. Vivian Campbell is the current guitar, one of the current guitarists and. Former members are Tony Kenning, who was a drummer, Pete Willis, who was on this record, and Steve Clark, who was also on this record. Um, Pete Willis left the band shortly after this. Steve Clark uh, passed away in 1991. They have 11 albums total. Talked about Pyromania in 83, Hysteria in 87 being humongous. So, Andy, Def Leppard, were they in your Rolodex? Musical Rolodex? No, actually, I really liked them, Um like my early teenage years, uh, Aerosmith and Def Leppard were like my jam. All my friends were into them. I think they were still pretty relevant in like the early to mid nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. They had an album um, come out, I think, in nineteen ninety or ninety one that had some hits. Euphoria, maybe, was the name of that one. Mm, yeah, it sounds familiar. Something like with an E. There was an E on the end of that one. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I, I liked them. I'm pretty familiar. I hadn't heard this record. Um, Pyromania was kind of the one that I listened to the most. But yeah, okay. So you had some expectations here, I imagine. Yeah. All right. So the album itself, like I said, released in July of 81 at a, a studio in London. It's 42 minutes long. It's on uh, Vertigo in the UK and Mercury in the USA. Producer was Mutt Lang. We talked about briefly when we talked about uh, ACDC back in black. He was kind of the guy at the time. Uh, Def Leppard's new manager at this time was also ACDC's manager, so they were able to arrange getting Mutt Lang to produce their second record, and he really helped chisel them and develop their sound and really bring out, I guess he was like a taskmaster. He made them work. These these guys were like 15 through 20-ish at the time. So the drummer in particular, he was 15, I think, or 16 maybe when they were recording this album. So, I mean, he really had to ride these dudes and try and shape their sound. And you can hear bits of it, like in Bringing On The Heartbreak, which sounds like a Def Leppard song that would have been on Pyromania. And actually, after Pyromania hit big, this album got re-released on CD and and charted because of their popularity. People went back and picked this up. But uh, yeah, he helped with the song craft, the vocals. I guess Joe Elliott was really singing that song flat, just kind of like ballad style. And Mutt Lang was like, try it louder, try it higher, really scream it, you know. I actually went back and watched the VH1 
made for TV movie about Def Leppard. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Anthony Michael Hall plays Mutt Lang, and they have a scene where he's making Joe Elliott reach his potential. It was, it was like Mickey and Rocky. Exactly. Uh, so, so this was really the beginning of what became their later pop metal sound. And I think that's why they kind of got distanced from the Nuabum idea. But uh, this record has the twin lead guitars, the high-pitched vocals. The one thing they don't have is the fantastical sort of stuff. I don't hear things about monsters and maidens. It's Well, there's maidens, but the only monster is in their pants <laughs> uh, in <laughs> most of the songs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they did have some fierce headbanging anthems like Another Hit and Run, On Through the Night, which is actually a song on here, but not a song on the album, On Through the Night. No, 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 which is Pretty ripping. We'll, I think we're, we might get a taste of that in a little bit. And the instrumental Switch 625, awesome. Really cool instrumental song. And that comes at the end of Bringing on the Heartbreak and sort of uh, takes you down from, you know, I, I guess kind of helps you escape that uh, little more weepy sort of feel. So what'd you think of this album, man? I mean, I know you probably knew Bringing on the Heartbreak, but other than that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to escape your expectations. I was expecting like the big power ballads and uh, stadium fist in the air rockers and like you'd get later on in their career um and you can hear like moments of that like on the track you just played but then like uh, on a song like you just mentioned there um switch 625 switch 625 yeah really cool instrumentation on that track i was really surprised uh the guitars and they played really well together it was i was a little taken aback by that track. Um, it stands out a lot from the rest of the record, which at times can be a little, I don't know, I find myself getting a little bored. And, you know, the lyrics are so, I don't know, they're all about women and drinking and trying to get some. And I don't know. These I guys were 19. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, I understand that, but. I'm 36, and i got to listen to it now, so it's a little bit... I don't know, I got a little bit old by the end of the record. Um, I don't know, I was so excited by the Iron Maiden record you turned me on to last show. Not like Rob. They, they definitely went in a different direction, and, and I think that's what this album is kind of... They weren't... They were part of the, the of that movement, and they were a metal band, yeah. but they were more party rockers than... Than, like, punk. Than, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what starts to come out here. So I, why don't we why don't we jump into no, no, no? I believe this is the actual last track on the album. There's some bonus tracks on online and on the CD. Which, by the way, before I play the song, oh y'all, this stuff is now on Spotify. It is on Google Play as of this year, 2018. They finally Mercury Records and Def Leppard were finally able to come to terms to get. Because this stuff has not been on streaming services for years. So happy about that. Anyway, here's No, No, No.
definitely not the Def Leppard people are used to. And that's what I like about this album is it's a kind of a little blend of what they were in their first album and then moving forward. Uh, on the original vinyl, I guess, No, 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 the song ends. And the No, 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 you know, in the groove on the end of the record, it just loops and plays and plays and plays and plays. Huh. Unfortunately, I can't get my hands on it. So <laughs> I'm just going to, we're going to run through just the good the good the the stuff we like right here in this album i think it's pretty solid songwriting it's sing-alongable it makes sense you can understand it the production is is really good um a step forward for them hard rocking and definitely belongs in the new wave of british heavy metal conversation they moved on to be more of a uh pop rock heavy metal sort of pop metal band but uh the beginnings are pretty cool, at least for me. What do you, What did you like? Well, uh, songs like that No, No, No you just played and, and Switch 625 that we mentioned were pretty interesting musically. Uh, so I was surprised pleasantly by those. And, you know, I think in terms of Pyromania and Hysteria to come and, and that big pop rock sound that they developed, you know, this is kind of like a logical step for them, you know before those records. Uh, so it fits in there. It makes sense. And yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a fun listen for sure. All right. So on to the things we didn't like. It drags a little bit in the middle for me. Uh, some of the songs is just like, there's. it's not, it, they're kind of straddling the middle where it's kind of heavy, but not quite. I would have liked a little bit more, uh, you know, pizzazz in the middle but that's really a tiny that's all i could come up with honestly that's kind of a reach I, this is a classic i think it's their best uh i think it's their their best album but my favorite to listen to is still pyromania but i think just in terms of what this album means i i think it's their best yeah i don't know i still go back to pyromania if i wanted some good uh beer drinking metal but uh i don't know it feels a lot like they were trying to become something popular and, and maybe a lot of that has to do with the production it's so clean and shiny and you know there's such big choruses and i don't know that's never really done it for me so i wouldn't be my Def Leppard album of choice but it's cool cool to hear and appreciate you exposing this in your mind i think you're lying but i appreciate you doing so <laughs> All right, so I think that does it for Def Leppard's High and Dry, the 1981 Nwabum Def Leppard classic. Go check it out if you care at all about me. <laughs> it's not really a personal thing, man. It's just a oh, it's personal. Record. Yeah, it's personal, brother. Making it personal. All right. All right. You feel like getting funky? Let's funk it down. Getting funky with Andy, getting funky with Andy, or getting funky with Andy. Alright, so last time on the show, like I said, we were talking about a Parliament record, and today on the show we're talking about a guy who was in Parliament, as well as the Funkadelic. That's right, Bootsy Collins, aka Casper the Funky Ghost, aka... <laughs> Bootzilla. <laughs> Guy's got tons of nicknames. But uh, in 1977, yeah, 1977, he put out the record. Ah, the name is Bootsy, baby. Oh, Bootsy, baby. That's how you do. Better Bootsy than I do. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is just an awesome, super fun record here. Let's play... This is the second track on it called The Pinocchio Theory. Much like the Funka Doc records we heard before, this is just like a fun jam party record all the way through. Um, Bootsy Collins is the bass player as well as the main vocalist throughout. Uh, he was originally a member of the JBs. Remember James Brown's backing band we talked about way back in January? Um, yep. Broke up with them. Young guy then. Moved to Detroit. Met up with uh, George Clinton in 72. Joined up with like the whole P-Funk movement that was happening there. Plays bass on all the Parliament records and the majority of the Funkadoc records that were made, you know, in the 70s and early 80s. He's well known for playing this star-shaped bass guitar. Not like a metal guitar, but like a full, like, five-pointed star. It's all sparkly, called Space Bass. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. You gotta Google a Google picture of it. It's so funny looking. But he got a band together. I uh, kind of, um, kind of an offshoot of the, of the Funkadelic. In 1976, they put out one record, which was really good as well. But he took a few musicians from that, that traveling troupe, as well as, uh, some horn players called the Horny Horns. Great, great band. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, what you're describing sounds like a kid's show yeah, right? in the 70s. No, it really is very cartoonish. It's super fun, lighthearted all the way through. Have you heard of this group before, man? Are you familiar with their relationship to the Funkadelic and, and George Clinton and all that? Yeah, loosely. I am I had heard of Bootsy Collins, obviously. I think I had uh, some like compilation or something on CD at some point. Right. But And the rubber band and the, the Bootzilla and all of that stuff, but I hadn't really given any of the albums a full listen until this show they're pretty tight they have a good feel for the r&b side there's a little rhythm and blues in there it's not it's not i don't know as slap you in the face funky they have a unique funk ability um and there's an underlying sort of sexiness even though he's such a goof on top of it so yeah he's goofy but he you know we see him on stage like there's definitely like some sex appeal to him he's like Calling out to the ladies in the audience and stuff, and oh, Bootsy, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of an offshoot from uh, from George Clinton. Actually, George produces the record along with uh, with Bootsy. Um, this is their second studio record, like as I mentioned. Lots of goofy lyrics all the way through, um, but some really good tight jams. The album's kind of split up between like some really upbeat, dancey tracks. Kind of like uh, Pinocchio Theory we just played, and some like slower like love kind of slow jam type things going on. Um, why don't we play one of those slower cuts right now? This is called Munchies <laughs> for Your Love. Ah, <laughs> boy, <laughs> so good.
What's your chocolate star mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. This guy has nicknames for everybody. Okay. He's referring to somebody, a girl in particular, or what? But as soon as I heard that track, I was just totally sold on this record, man. <laughs> so good. <goofy. laughs> but uh, why don't we jump in and talk about what we liked and what we didn't like? What did you like about this record? Okay. Great musicianship, obviously. I mean, these guys all know how to play. That's kind of the cool part of all these offshoots of Parliament, Funkadelic. Bootsy stuff, all of it. They, the you know, it's the same crew, so they play well together, or at least ma- parts of the same crew. Uh, fun, funky vibe. Bootsy's personality, his character, characters definitely come through, and it's not a Parliament clone, which is really, I think, the most important part. Is it, it does have its own stamp, even though it's definitely in the same family. And I really appreciated that about this album, and I. It took me some time to warm up to it. The first couple listens, I was like, what? What? <laughs> but I started to get to know it a little better, and, and so there was some, definitely plenty to like. What about you? Yeah, you got to get into the personality. Let's keep kind of warm up to what he's putting down. It's it's pretty fun all the way through. You got to mention the band. They're called the Rubber Bands. They get mentioned quite a bit, uh, a.k.a. the Funketeers. Which I believe is also a reference to the band. He calls them all sorts of different things throughout the record, but uh, they have like a hype man. Uh, they're also a really good singer too. He's just like hyping up Bootsy the whole, pretty much throughout the whole record. The whole first song is really just hyping it up for the record. It's kind of like uh, it reminds me of Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav, Flav, exactly. Is that where Flav. you're going? Yeah, okay. Flavor Flav. Yeah. yeah and that, like, that that is Public Enemy. Everybody out there, in case you don't know, right. maybe someday we maybe someday we find some excuse to talk about Public Enemy. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Yeah, they're super good grooves. The horns, in particular, sound great. The uh, the horny horns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if this man has any grandchildren, I bet they all have like 50 nicknames. It's got to be very confusing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it plays really well as a whole record, man. I really enjoyed it. There aren't really any filler tracks. There's some tracks that, and we'll get into this in a second here, maybe aren't um, standalone songs, but they really thought about how it would play start to finish. There's a beginning, and there's a nice little outro at the end. It feels very cohesive all the way through. But uh, what kind of stuff didn't you like about this, man? Well, I didn't like the same thing that I like, Bootsy's personality. Sometimes is a little much with the hyping and then with him and the whole, oh, I'm Bootsy. And, and like, you know, you'll get this funky sort of sexy track going on, like the Munchies for Your Love. Yeah. That's a great example of that song. The music is on. I mean, that's light some candles, lay down some shag, <laughs> and get it on with your woman. Music. But then you hear that. Munchies, the lines in there, right. and it would make you laugh. You would lose your concentration. Maybe it's to help you go longer because the <laughs> lyrics distract you. I'm not sure. Uh, so, so, it's a method to this madness, <laughs> Instead of thinking about baseball, you, right. you hear that the lyrics are like, what? Thinking about um, uh, Fritos and, uh, and, stuff, so. and And the lyrics as a whole are a little cringeworthy at times, a little... Cart, you know, overly cartoony, even for this genre, like even more so than Parliament, where I felt I feel like the balance is a little better. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would add is um, there's only like really four songs on here that are actual unique songs themselves. And they're pretty lengthy, you know, in their neighborhood of like five to ten minutes or so. There's also like four just like kind of transitional tracks. A lot of like hype stuff going on during those songs that are, you know, if you got rid of those, it'd be a really short record. So, you know, it fits really well in the live setting, but on a record, you have to really just accept that there's going to be a lot of kind of background stuff going on that's not necessarily musical, but... It's still fun. It's still really fun, yeah. actually. It's it's a party record for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what kind of party with that uh, munchies for your love, but uh, no. swinger party maybe, <laughs> key party. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely some swinger music for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, that was good. Yeah, it's a good it's a good record for sure. Definitely would recommend uh, if you have a chance to check out any other live concert footage from this time period, like seventy six to seventy eight. Really good group they were touring with. Really fun shows. I saw a Halloween show. They all come out dressed in uh, as ghosts at the beginning with like big sheets over their heads and they're dancing around with those on. It's pretty hysterical stuff. Uh, Definitely check that out on YouTube. Uh, if you have a chance here, their, their first record is also really good. It's considered a classic in the genre. It's called Stretching Out in Boots of Jetter Band. And it's a really good uh, complimentary listen to uh, to this record. So check it out. Will do. Bootsy Collins. Ah, the name's Bootsy, baby. And hey, that was good. Get a little inner Bootsy going on. And uh, don't forget to check out uh, Def Leppard and their 19... 19- 81 record high and dry as well some new ambla <laughs> don't, don't do that man man that's disrespectful get on with it what are we doing next week anyway yeah next week on the show we got two new release recommendations we're excited to tell you about two records that came out just in the last two weeks so be sure to tune in for that. Oh, I will. I'll be waiting for lightning to strike, man. Huh. Nice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So while you guys anxiously wait for the next episode of the Album Nerds podcast, why don't you follow us over on the Twitter, Instagram, and symbol at Album Nerds. And uh, subscribe to the show on the iTunes, Google Play, Music, Stitcher, Radio. Tell us your favorite albums over at albumnerds.com where we've got the shows. We've got areas where you can write comments. And uh, why don't you tell us what your favorite records are from the funk era and from the new wave of British heavy metal. We'd be happy to listen to them and check them out. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show. We will catch you next time on the Album Nerds Podcast. Peace. See ya.